And welcome into another edition of the Duck Territory podcast. Matt Preem, Eric Scopel. It's Monday afternoon. We're getting ready to go over to Willie Taggart's Monday review uh, press conference following Oregon's 42-35 victory over Nebraska this weekend. Oregon goes into week three of the football season still unranked, but they're getting closer uh, each week. I think they're like 27th uh, in both polls. Um Lots to get to with this game, and it was, like we said, the night of um, kind of a tale of, of two halves, yeah. if you will. And if you've got questions uh, and you're listening to this on Facebook Live, uh, go ahead and just start dropping them into the comment section. Uh, Eric will see those, and uh, we'll address your questions and, and, and kind of give you our best takes of what you're asking, what kind of information you're looking for. And if you're listening to this on the podcast and you're unfamiliar of how to Get on this podcast while we're doing it live. All you got to do is go to facebook.com slash Oregon247 and like our Facebook page, and you'll get notifications up uh, when we go live like we are uh, while we're recording this. And we typically do this every Monday around this time. Uh, we, we record these usually around uh, sometime around 1030 to 11 a.m. Uh, Monday mornings before Willie Tiger's press conference. So let's get right into... Uh, this game, you you look at Oregon and it, it couldn't start off any better for, no. for the Ducks. Uh, they they drive five plays, seventy five yards in a minute eighteen. Brennan score thirty two yard touchdown pass from Justin Herbert in the back corner of the end zone from the thirty two yard line on third and I think it was like third and eight. Yep. Um, Ducks go up seven zero very early in the game. Everything's just humming along offensively. Your big next question is how does Oregon's defense perform against this offense? Of Nebraska's first play, they, they test Thomas Graham. The ball gets deflected, bounces in the air. Tyree Robinson uh, returns it to the Nebraska 20. And then five plays later, Charles Nelson uh, gets the second touchdown of the game for the Ducks from eight yards out from Justin Herbert. And Oregon's also, up 14 nothing. Also a third down conversion. The Ducks weren't great on first and second down early, but were able to um, convert a lot of third downs for, for key plays, two of which resulted in scores. And You mentioned Thomas Graham. That was just one the first of, like, a handful of tremendous plays the true freshman had. And uh, I wrote yesterday, I ranked my top performers. I had Thomas Graham as kind of the team's most impactful player, or the MVP, if you will. Right. Finished with two interceptions, really cementing himself as a, as a factor back there on the defensive backfield. And Monday afternoon, uh, 24-7 Sports, the national headquarters back in Nashville, um, we didn't have any say in this, uh, but they named Thomas Graham the freshman player of the week. For or for the country, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that that's a huge honor for for Thomas Graham. Just an early indicator of I think Oregon is getting close to having a potential star at at the corner spot on defense. And then uh, Nebraska kind of settled in after that fourteen to zero start by Oregon. You know things it looked disastrous at at that it point, uh, but the Cornhuskers went ten plays, ninety five yards for a touchdown, uh, and then. Oregon, though, responded right after that and, or excuse me, they didn't respond. They punted again and then Wisconsin went in and, and, and scored another touchdown and then, uh, Oregon went back, went back down the field again. Eight plays, 75 yards for a touchdown, uh, that ended with, I believe it was Royce Freeman going over the, over the top. Yeah, Royce Freeman went right over the top for a touchdown, two yard run. Um, and ne- next thing you know is 21-7 Ducks. Uh, Nebraska gets a, a Trey Bryant touchdown to go. Uh, for four play 75 yard drive themselves to make it 21-14 and then from there the shootout was on 
Uh, and it, you know, Oregon went into the half up 42 to 14 uh, after an explosion of, of points in the third in the in the second quarter. And then that's where the, the story kind of changed for Oregon in, against Nebraska. I think that second quarter is about as good a football as you're going to see from Oregon against. A, and, and we don't know exactly how good Nebraska is, but I, I think there's talent there that they could they'll finish with a winning record and, and and do okay in the Big Ten this year. But I mean, 21 points in the third in the second quarter really kind of held Nebraska, you know, from doing a whole lot of anything. I think a lot of punts, a couple turnovers. Um, Really took control of the game, and you're going into half up 42-14. I think you know everyone in the press box. I'm sure a lot of Oregon fans out at Oxford were thinking this, oh, could get, this could get out of hand easy. I mean, this could be vintage or I mean, the first half felt like vintage Oregon. This felt like 2010-2014 national championship caliber. I'm not saying that they're that good, but this right. felt like the type of performance that they had, where they just put a team away early, and you know put the starters in in the midway through the third quarter, and you kind of run away and and. Frankly, the exact opposite took place. Really, from the opening kickoff in the second half, uh, the I think it might have been more Nebraska fans in the in the in the stadium for about the first five minutes of the second half. A lot of Oregon fans were yeah. still out tailgating, and by the time they came back, it was a little closer game. Um, just but just a bizarre second half. I mean, the more I think about it, it, it's really hard to explain a lot of what took place. I mean, the Oregon defense actually I thought played pretty well at times. The Oregon offense was about as bad as I. I when was the last time you've seen Oregon play that bad offensively for a half? Uh, sometime last year. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> well, it's not that long ago, but, but, but scoreless in the second half after like, yeah, that, so good in the first. I mean, it was just bizarre. I mean, the, to, to go with, with scoring 42 points, uh, in, in one half of football to, and looking like, like you said, you know, the 2014 or the 2010 team where you take a quality opponent and make them look like an FCS team. Yeah, absolutely. And just absolutely demolish them to then going into the second half where you get six first downs yeah. in the first half, in the second half. You had 16 in the first half. Uh, you're averaging nine, almost nine uh, yards per play in the second half. And I don't, I don't know what the number was in, in the second, but I can guarantee you it was probably below four. Uh, well, it couldn't be above nine. <laughs> then six first downs. Um, and, and this, you know, it, it just took, a weird turn, and I think, you know, something that Willie Taggart said that really kind of stuck in my mind was, you know, they played a lot of freshmen, mm-hmm. true freshmen, yeah, in that game against Nebraska. They played a lot of sophomores in that game, and this is a new coaching staff, and there's a lot of new faces out on the football field, and then you throw in the human element of when you go up at half, it's 42 to 14, there's going to be a letdown effect. There's going to be a, you know, hey, we've got this in the bag. Let's just coast a little bit, you know, get in healthy and 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 go away up, you know, two and zero. Oh. And I I think, you know, it, there was a lot of, you know, oh we we we've got this. Nebraska's just going to roll over and die. And that obviously didn't happen. Willie Tiger said that the execution was very poor in the second half. Um, I, I you know. You mentioned that Oregon only, you know, I don't think they threw once on first down. No, I don't, in, I did not. In the second half. Um, overall though, it, you, you just, it was a weird game. Yeah. And I think this team though, they showed a lot about the progress that's been made and the progress that still needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, cause this is going to be Oregon in a nutshell. Yeah. I think, you know, you, you're going to have games where Oregon's going to be just straight up dominant and you're going to have games where they're going to struggle 
and it's going to be a dogfight to even stay 500 in that, in that game. We've got a lot of people that are talking about the play calling, and I, and I think it's worth mentioning. Um, I, I believe Oregon did not throw it on first down and only threw it once on second down in the second half. Justin Herbert, after throwing like 25 passes in the first half, threw just eight in the second half. So the offensive philosophy seemed to totally shift. I don't. I, I probably could look up, and I'll probably write something this week on kind of how, how they operated in the first half, if they were throwing the ball more. I assume they probably were. But it did seem like they, they really settled into just wanting to establish the run game. Um, there have been rumors about Justin Herbert having an injury. Our understanding is if, if there was, it's nothing serious. Yeah. So don't, so don't, don't freak out. Um, could that have played into it? Maybe, but I, I, I just think that they, they started to kind of get tentative and yeah. you're up, you're up a certain amount of points. And, and the run game was really, they had some success running the football in the first half. And I think they thought, we can just do this in the second half. And, you know, time and time again, they were turned away. And I think Royce Freeman actually ran it pretty well in the second half. I think he had almost 100 yards in the second half rushing. But that was just because sheer, vol- sheer, so sheer, sheer volume. Yeah, I mean, he touched the ball so often. Um, let's take a couple questions here from uh, Facebook Live. Eric Moorhead asks, do you think it came down to the second half play calls or defensive changes from Nebraska? I think, probably, I think a little bit of both. Um, Tager did say that Nebraska ran the same thing. In the, I mean, he, he felt that both sides kind of – did the same things in the second half, at least from a schematic perspective. But um, yeah, you, you do. There has to be something took place. There. I don't think that's true because it, if Nebraska, if everything was pretty much the same, then what do you make for the discrepancy of Herbert throwing for twenty five plays right. and, and, and Herbert throwing for eight in the second half? I I think Oregon got a little a little conservative, uh, maybe a little bit earlier than you would potentially want, and maybe that's because you know. Herbert's hand had a little ding. Um, who knows? But and I, I, you know, look, this is also this game had a lot of pressure on Taggart mm-hmm. because it was a first, it was the first big game of his coaching career. Things are going tremendously well, up forty-two to fourteen. Mm-hmm. And he even mentioned it after the game that he had some flashbacks of, of Texas A and M UCLA going on. Well, he, he said he mentioned it at the half to his yeah. players, like, "Don't let this happen." And then look boom, what, it happens. Look, look what happens. You know, and I, I think you know this was the, his first big test, and mm-hmm. there's some something to be said about you. Know, you're in your first big test at a high profile job against a quality opponent. You know, you're gonna have a, a, a shaky, you know, some shaky moments as well, and a learning curve as well, just as the, as the players are. And I think, you know, if if Taggart and this coaching staff could go back in time and, and maybe throw in a few different wrinkles in the second half, they probably would make a few minor adjustments, uh, do things maybe just a little bit differently, not drastic, but just slight changes to maybe get a couple of first downs or maybe move the ball a little bit differently. What I thought was kind of interesting is they actually opened their first possession of the second half with that diamond, three, look. That, that diamond three running back look, and it worked, it worked really well until Justin Herbert made probably his only mistake of the season in terms yeah. of decision-making throwing the football and throwing a triple coverage. Ball was picked off. Nebraska comes down, scores, makes it, I think, a three-score game, two-score game at that point. Um, but I, why didn't they go back to that? I mean, they had quite a bit of success running out of it, I, I think, Freeman picked up two of the team's six second half first downs in that first drive, running out of that where they basically have basically a triple option right. with a lead blocker. I mean, Ken I Benoit basically out lead blocking uh, Tony Brooks James trailing for a possible pitch. So I, I like that formation. I think we'll see a lot of that this year. That was one of the things Taggart brought up um, going into camp was we could use all three running backs at once. And seeing it in motion, that looks like something that could be potentially really dangerous. And I, I kind of felt like, come back to that because they had that was – in the second half, that was really the only success they had was running 
out of that formation. Yeah. I agree. I think that's something that Oregon should develop more into their staple of formations and, mm-hmm. and plays and personnel of what they can do. Um, I think the only downside of that, and we kind of saw the effects of it, was there's not a lot of passing options out of that formation. Um, True. Your passing game is, is kind of limited. And so I, I guess you know the only thing I, I would say with that is you, you've got to find some other way to get a little bit more creative because on that throw, I think I think Herbert had only two guys downfield to throw to, um, and maybe it's just you know Herbert was just a little more too confident in his his arm and his accuracy, trying to go for a big play, throwing into that triple coverage like he said, and it was it was easily intercepted. Yeah, it was, um, it was it was a rare poor decision from a guy who was pitched basically a perfect game in the first half and the game before that and the game before that. But I think that also kind of segues right into our next thought was. As bad as the offense played in the second half, mm-hmm. the offense—I mean, Oregon's defense—was perhaps quite the opposite, just as impressive. Yeah. Sure, they gave up 21 points and they gave two two touchdowns right away. Uh, in, in in terms of yardage and points for for Nebraska in the second half, and they gave up a, a third touchdown late in the fourth quarter, but that was also exactly. after a, a Roy Freeman fumble inside the 25, and so you. You go past the, the two touchdowns, uh, Nebraska had to start the second half, seven plays, two yards, punt, interception after five plays, 16 yards, punt, five plays, 15 yards, another punt after five plays, 15 yards, and then they score a touchdown, five plays, 22 yards, when Royce Freeman fumbled, Oregon went three and out, they only took uh, 30 seconds off the clock. The emotions there was on, on the sideline was, and I think around the stadium was, my God, are we gonna, is this TCU all over again? Yes. I mean, it really started to set in because for a while in that second half, things weren't going well, but you thought they had such a big cushion. There's, there's no way that Nebraska is going to get back in, especially because they didn't look particularly good on either side of the ball in the first half. Offense didn't look great at times in the second half. But when Nebraska scores that late touchdown, they kick it. They don't even onside kick because they have. Enough. I was surprised by that. They don't. They don't, they don't have. They had three timeouts and a little bit and enough time. And Oregon comes out three straight runs, loses four yards, punts it. When Nebraska gets the ball at midfield. Down it takes seven. thirty seconds off the clock. Yeah. I mean that was just mind boggling. Yeah, and, and Nebraska's got the ball down one score with about two minutes to go at like the forty three forty three yard, yard line of the Nebraska side with two minutes seventeen seconds to play and. You're thinking, oh my God, here's TCU happening all over again, <laughs> and this team is going to crumble. And the very first play after Oregon gave the ball back to Nebraska, what happened? Jonah Moy comes off the yep. edge, tips a pass from Tanner Lee, and it falls right into Ugo Amadi's hands, and game was over after that. And you know, this was a game last year. This team. Gives up a touchdown with 20 seconds to play in the game. It's tied. And then in overtime, Nebraska scores a touchdown, and then Oregon doesn't get it. Game over. They walk away with a gut-crunching loss. Depending upon how the season plays out, uh, we may look back at that Jonah Moy pass rush as one of the biggest plays in the season because if he doesn't make that play and Nebraska comes down and ends up winning the game, like you said, and the TCU thing was one thing. That was a bowl game. They didn't have any games afterwards. Oregon still has 10 games to play on its schedule. Yeah. If you go out and lose a game where you get up in like that, that magnitude, in that, yeah, in that manner, in that magnitude, and you blow a 21 or 28 point first half lead, that's, that's an, that that could potentially wreck guys emotionally and mentally going throughout the rest of the season, and that could potentially derail what I think we see a lot of talent on this team on both sides of the ball. 
you have something like that going on psychologically, there's a possibility that that takes a team from an eight or nine win team to a five or six win team just because that's in the back of your head all the time when you get up. Oh boy, or, or, or that's in the back of your head not allowing you to get there. So that I don't think we can understate how important of a play that was by Jonah Moy and by Ugo Mata making that interception. Yeah, absolutely. Because you look at you know this was an important win because you're now in a position where if you can get this one this week against Wyoming, you're three and zero going into conference play. And you only need to you know, find three more wins on your schedule to get to a bowl game. And from the first two weeks of football, it looks like Arizona and Oregon State, your final two home games of the year, and your final two games of the year for the regular season, are very winnable games. Because both those teams look very poor. And that would get you to five. And now you just need one out of, out of your, your last seven games. And... I would I would take Oregon's odds of, of that to, to get to a bowl game. So this was a huge game sure was. On, in terms of getting back to a bowl game, finding a winning season. But like you said, the mental part of this and the, and to be able to show how just mentally tough and, and improved this group has become. Yeah. You know, I don't think la- if this happened to, to last year's team, they never would have recovered. They may win one or two games the rest of the year. And like you said, that play is going to be huge for this entire team's trajectory for the 2017 season. Uh, for Tracy Kramer, she's asking on the next game, is Oregon plays Wyoming on sat- at Saturday uh, at Wyoming? At Wyoming, at 5 o'clock 5 kick, o'clock kickoff. Uh, local time there, I believe that's 4 o'clock. They're mountain, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 4 o'clock here. It's going to be on CBS Sports Network. That's not CBS. Uh, if, you're on, if you're on Comcast, I believe that's something like 726. Or 725. Uh, if I don't know, if I don't have TV, I don't have Comcast anymore. I used to, but it is 725 on Comcast. Um, but so yeah, you're gonna have to check your sports packages, see what you got, because it's normally not gonna be on your typical sports package. So, nope. so uh, make sure you got it. That's the channel it's gonna be on, and it's it's a sneaky game, just like Wisconsin. This was a or Nebraska. Mm-hmm. This is you know Oregon's coming off a very emotional game, a, a game that you know. Quite frankly, some guys got dinged up in, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to go into high altitude. Uh, it's like 5,700 feet up in the air, and you're playing against arguably probably the number one guy right now for the 2018 NFL Draft in Josh yeah, Allen. I think that's an underrated aspect here is that Wyoming has arguably the top draft prospect as a quarterback. Now, if you look at the stats, they're similar to Tanner Lee in terms of this guy is turnover prone and Oregon if Oregon can replicate their defensive effort, and and Wyoming's receivers are nowhere near Nebraska's caliber, we should mention that. Right. If Oregon go out and force four turnovers again, they're going to win this game easily, I think. Um, Wyoming's defense isn't on Nebraska's level. Their run game isn't anywhere near Nebraska's level. Um, this is not as good of a team. But at quarterback, they have somebody that is capable of pulling an upset if everything plays out right. Um, and, and so that's something, I think, to be aware of. You see you know, Wyoming on the schedule, and you go, Wyoming, there's a bunch of guys in cowboy country. What kind of talent might they have? But they do have a quarterback that is really, really good that will potentially pose some issues. But with, well, from my perspective, what I saw out of this Oregon defensive backfield on Saturday, I think they're up for the challenge. I, I think you see three really good corners in Arion Springs, who I thought actually played really well. Yep. I think he had three pass deflections, um, was around a lot of balls. Um, obviously, Thomas Graham, we've mentioned, I thought played tremendous as a true freshman. And then Ugo Amadi made some great plays. Three good corners. Safety play could be concerning because Tyree Robinson did leave with an injury. There's concern that might be, I think, a longer-term yes. injury, not just, you know, he might not return this week, might be out for a little bit. 
what's going on with Brady Breeze, Khalil Oliver, Juwan Williams. There's certainly concerns at safety, but overall I think you feel pretty good about where this defensive secondary is. And you talked about trying to figure out where Oregon can win games. I, Oregon's going to be favored, I think, in the next three football games. Wyoming this weekend at Arizona State, who's looked terrible. Yeah. I mean, to put it lightly, I mean, they barely beat New Mexico State. Um, and then and California. Then, and, then, and then California. And then Arizona State um, also lost to uh, San Diego State yes. over the weekend. So they're, they're not good. They don't look like a very good football team. Oregon has three very winnable games in front of them. And if you start out 5-0 and or 6 or yeah, 5 and Going into, I believe, is it Washington, Washington State? State? That that could be a very marquee game, a game where it's two potential top twenty-five teams battling for some positioning for the Pac-12 North. You know, I, I think there's a huge opportunity, like you said, for this program to, I think, be a little bit further ahead in national perception and internal perception uh, than anticipated, mm-hmm. because. You win five games and you go into that Washington State game, you know, and I think the Cougars have a decent, I, I can't remember what exactly what the schedule is, but I wouldn't be shocked if you look at Washington State's schedule and you, you see the game, the teams that they have to play going into this week, or going into that game, you know, they've got Oregon State this week, uh, that's probably safe to say that's going to be a victory. It's at home. They play at home again uh, against Nevada. And then they have a home game at U- against USC before they play Oregon. So you're going to, you're going to see a Washington State team who's either going to be 5-0 and or 4-1 and uh, going into that Oregon game. And, and quite frankly, you know, if Oregon can hold, hold firm too and hold serve with, with their schedule – you know, you could be looking at a game day type situation in Eugene, end of sep- end of September, with Washington State coming to town, or early October with Washington State coming to town, because the Cougars right now are 21st in the country. Mm-hmm. They go four and one. You know, if they come into into that game four and one or five and zero, oh, they're going to be. If they go five and zero, oh, they're going to be in the top ten. If they're four and one, they're probably going to be a top fifteen team. Mm-hmm. If Oregon's five and zero oh at that point. They're probably going to be a top twenty team. Mm-hmm. Seeing that game day loves ESPN, loves Oregon. You know they haven't been here in a while. I, you know that could be a sneaky game to watch. And that's just you know we're we're talking a, a few games down the road. But, yeah. that, but that's just what makes this Wyoming game such a trap game because yeah. there is so much that you could gain if you can knock off and stack your chips a little bit. But it doesn't happen if you get caught up in that looking ahead part and don't pay, don't give the respect to, to Josh Allen and the Wyoming Cowboys. Sorry, Facebook Live people, the phone dropped the Facebook Live chat, which I think we're now six, <laughs> six for six on that taking place. So bear with us here. We've got to figure this out, but we are back. So if you have questions, uh, go ahead and drop them in. I know we had a question earlier asking whether or not we thought, based upon what we've seen through two games, if this Oregon team is capable of winning the Pac-12 North. Uh, I still think... I think the offense is. I think the offense is. I think the defense has shown... Some, probably better than I expected, frankly, in, in some really tough circumstances over the weekend. Um, if Oregon is healthy and they beat Washington State and are six and zero, then they go into a really tough stretch. Yeah, and it's a matter of how do they handle that stretch. I mean, that's the stretch where uh, they have to probably win three out of four games against teams in the top of the conference to have a shot at it. And if they do that, then yeah. But I, I think it's still too far out. There's too many, there's too many obstacles to be seen here. I want to see more. I want to see how this defense can consistently get up 
Because it was obviously they were they were up for this Nebraska team. Right. They've played one. They've played one legit FPS team in Nebraska. They gave up 35 points. Mm-hmm. It was at home. You know, the, I, like I said, they played great for the most part. You know, in the situations that they were given against that group. But I want to see a couple more games before I can say, yeah, you know, I feel like they could challenge. You know, if they go out to Wyoming. And they hang something like 63-17, yeah. you know, on, on the Cowboys, and then they go down to Arizona State in two weeks at Tempe and do the same thing. Then yeah, then you can start thinking, hey, maybe they got a chance to, you know, maybe be a little bit better and actually compete for the Pac-12 North. But you know, we need to see what they can do a couple times against some Power Five teams. And unfortunately, even that, well, I just said, you know, after ASU, maybe you can start saying that. We still won't really have a good feel until Washington State State because Arizona State's terrible. We can, we can say that they're not, maybe not terrible, but they're they're bad. They're not, they're They're not not good. good. We can, and we can safely say that after week, week two. Uh, Wyoming, they are, uh, I think they are 0-1 or 1-1 or 2-1, uh, 0-2. Um, but still, they don't look good either. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you've got Cal, who going into the year, you know, they weren't expected to be good. They upset North Carolina uh, to start the year, but then the following weekend against Weber State, they were in a dogfight. It wasn't a very good showing. It wasn't a good showing by the Bears. So, you know, you've got some games coming up where the, Oregon should be favored in every single one of them, and and, and, yeah, and yeah. I think it's safe to say Oregon's probably going to be almost a double-digit favorite in, in all of those games. Arizona State might be the one where you just because it's a Pac-12 road game, Pac-12 after dark. It might be eight, but eight and a half. I, th- I expect that they'll be favored there as well. And just looking at the the race as a whole in the Pac-12 North, I think you saw you've seen a little bit of vulnerability from Washington, Stanford, and Washington State. Washington State very lucky to beat Boise. State. Oh, absolutely! That they, game was they ins- ended up pulling Luke Falk, which is kind of a crazy situation. Yes, and Stanford goes down. Fairly convincing of USC. I think that surprised a lot of people. I thought Stanford had a great chance to win that game, just given how they looked. They were all ba- they were basically always down two scores mm-hmm. the entire game. And Washington didn't show very well in their opener against Rutgers. Bounced back last week and won pretty handily against Montana. But I think there's some vulnerability there. I don't think anybody at the top of the Pac-12 North has looked like world beaters consistently through two games. Both, I think, all three of those teams have had one good showing and one kind of not very good showing. And I think you know if you're Oregon, you're kind of going, okay, if, if we if if the you know, if the, the ball bounces our way on any given day against those teams, I think we have the talent to compete with them. So I do think I do think it's maybe more on the table than I would have given them credit for going into the season, just the way the conference is looking and the way how, how Oregon has looked at times this season. But I, I wouldn't get too far ahead of myself and say this is going to be a team that's definitely going to win the conference. Uh, any other questions? Got a, yeah, we got a question from Jonathan Charles asking about uh, Justin Herbert's interception and whether or not that was more on him or the receiver. Oh, absolutely on Herbert. I, I, yeah, I mean, he threw into triple coverage, um, and that was out of, I believe, that weird diamond, that diamond three running back formation, so there's not a lot of receivers downfield. I don't I don't know if, if that's a, posi- a, a formation you want to throw out in general very often, and if you do, maybe it's mostly out of like a swing pass or some sort of wide receiver screen since you have all those running backs in the backfield. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't think that was on the receiver as much as it was Justin trying to force For, the backfield. I, and I think that was just his first – True, you know, mistake of this season. I don't think it's. It, luckily for them, it didn't come back to, ha- to haunt them. But you know, learning experience, learn, learn and move on. And 
you know, maybe that teaches you need to develop a little bit more of that passing game out of that formation. Another question here from uh, Facebook Live. Raymond Law asks, what our intel is on Malik Young? Is he good enough to break the two deep or maybe even make a, make a run with the ones? And should we expect meaningful snaps against Wyoming? Well, he, he, he saw some action against uh, Nebraska. I think he... He made his first appearance in the second half. Third quarter, right. Um, and he, he didn't finish with any tackles. He didn't show up in the box score, but he, he was in the participation list. And I think that was kind of to expect. You know, mm-hmm. he's only been on campus for about three weeks now. Yeah. Uh, still trying to get himself into game shape. But yeah, he is already working with the twos. Um, he's already, uh, going to push for playing time. And now it's just kind of getting him as quickly as he possibly can up to speed. To, to be able to help the team yeah. even more. And I would say, you know, is he going to get meaningful snaps against Wyoming? 